This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, Bonnie Arslanian. Hi, Rom Criminals. You guys, Rom Criminals, we got to spend four consecutive uh, days together. Mm-hmm. And we had so much fun, Avrin and I. It was so fun. We went on a little vacation together. We went to a friend's wedding. I still can't believe it happened. I know. Because, you know, I have a hard time uh, <laughs> just releasing and letting things go. I can't believe I, like, left everybody. By the way, if you hear my dog barking, I'm sorry. He's just very protective. These He's a teenager now. I think year and a half. Mm-hmm. Sorry I digress. But yes. No, we had so much fun. We we rode in a plane together. We took Ubers. Yeah. We stayed at Avron's mom and dad's house, which was so yes, fun. Yes, we did. It was great to see my parents. Is it technically Kansas? Okay, so they're in Kansas, right? Yeah, they live in Kansas. But the, we, the wedding was in Kansas City, which is in Missouri. Confusing. But as I showed you when we were driving to Target. On Mission Road. And then State Line. One side of the road is Missouri and one side of the road is Kansas. I love it. I I've never been to yeah. that area uh, in my life, I don't think. Maybe we drove through it when we moved to and fro New York when I was a child. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember, you know, it's so beautiful over there. The The leaves were turning, especially from us LA girls. I don't know if you heard, listened to our last episode. You know what I did realize? We, we talked about seasons in our last episode. I realized I do feel seasons here. They're just like me. They're just more subtle. Yes, they are quite subtle. It's like 100 degrees outside and it's almost Halloween. Or today's nice, but yesterday, 95 degrees. Oh my gosh. Avrin, you know I've been volunteering a lot for my daughter's class. Yeah. So they had a fun run, like a our, it's our biggest PTA. <laughs> you know, I get, when I dive in, I dive in fully. You sure do. I love it. But so I'm, I love the PTA. I'm working for them. So I'm volunteering and it's the biggest PTA fundraiser of the year. And oh my God, I was out there from eight to about noon and I am burnt and sore from like it was just so fun but it was you're right yesterday was not cool hot but today is like kind of crispy and up here I don't know about you but much yeah no it's pretty out today like (laughs) in the 70s I'm like let's just keep it I don't want it to be cold by any stretch but I would love not to be sweating when I go for a walk I know I agree with you it's gonna happen I really just I have the positive outlook but it was nice to experience some colder weather. We played top golf, which I'd never done before. Yes, and Avern discovered that she oh. can hit a golf ball as long as she does it uh, left-handed. Okay, tell them the story about our softball team. So <laughs> when Vanya and I first kind of became friends and she had this wonderful, you know, large group of friends that I hadn't met before that she introduced me to and they had this softball 
like I wouldn't call it a league. It was just like no. they get together and play softball and then go grab beers. Yeah. And so I started going and I swear to God, I don't think I ever once hit the ball, but everyone was so sweet and they were so kind and like patient. No one ever struck me out after three misses. They were like, you're swinging too late. Try yeah. this, try that. And I just couldn't do it. And I've always known with little, I'm not obviously a sporty person. I don't know if you don't know this about me, listeners, but I'm not a sporty person. I am a, I'm more of a like watch true crime documentaries and uh, eat popcorn person. But uh, <laughs> I've always known my husband and I love to play bags or cornhole is the, I think, technical name of the game, you know, where you toss the bean bags. Oh, yeah. Sure. And I, I toss with my left hand and I always have. It's just like what felt right to me. So I guess I should have just assumed if I throw with my left hand, that probably means like yeah. most things athletic, I should try doing left handed. So top golf, I tried doing it right handed. My mom was like, you have the wrong hand on top. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't feel right that way. Anyway, long story short, I can totally Dude, play top golf she if I do it with left handed clubs. Killing. She was driving that ball. So <sighs> I mean, once she switched to le- with the left handed clubs and left handed, I was like, oh, my God, Avrin. This, if you would have just tried to bat left, you would have been. Anyways, it, I feel like I am so excited for you about it. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is a huge discovery. You are sporty, Av. You are. I'm totally sporty. I just uh, have been trying to play with my. Well, I'm right-handed when I write, and so why would I assume that sure. I would do other things with my left? But I guess uh, I've learned this at the ripe young age of 40, and I will utilize it <laughs> going forward. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> we had a blast in Kansas City. Yeah, we attended the most beautiful wedding. <sighs> so pretty. Uh, so we fun. danced our booties off. I swear I'm still sore. Like, I had to sit in a bath when I got home and just, like, have some salt. Because <laughs> I dropped it like it's hot too many times. Like it's... She, she sure did. She's good. You're good at it. I was crawling on the floor at one point. I'm sure <laughs> that the people in that room were like, who the hell did they invite? But you <laughs> no, know, they loved us. We kept the dance floor bumping that's true, all we did. night long. But I feel like I just haven't been out in social situations and I'm like, I'm just letting it rip. But we were also with our bestest friends in the whole wide world. Yeah. So yeah. it was just it was just so much fun. Plus, I mentioned this on my other podcast, but... Avrin's mom, I still like can't get over it. I honestly, her mom is the sweetest person in the world. Hi, Betsy. Uh, we love you, Betsy. Oh my God. She gifted me. And I, I know if you listen to Mike and Vanya, I'm sorry you're hearing the story again. But um, so she's got thin feet like I do and the same size. Very small feet. It's like apparently none of the daughters have because she has many daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, I got like a hundred pairs of shoes. Not really, but like we enough pairs where I had to put some in my bag and some of Avrin's and some of my backpack. Yeah. But I'm so, <laughs> so grateful. And I can't wait to just like seriously wear all these shoes. They're nice. Too. Oh, my gosh. I love them. Anyway, uh, have you gotten to uh, bust any out yet? Did you take those fringy yes. boots for a stroll? Um, I tr- I, when I got home, that's the first thing I put on because my husband's like, oh, it's so you. Just like rolling uh-huh. it because they're kind of, they're amazing. They're like green uh, cowboy boots with some fringe. Oh man, they're great. But then I have actually been wearing some really comfy, cozy, uh, the house shoes. Those are oh, really yeah. good. But I can't wait to wear a couple of them that she got. I just love, I just thank you. I'm sorry. This is, but shoes are fun guys. And shoes are fun. And honestly, like my whole life, it's been the greatest tragedy that <laughs> I didn't have super tiny feet like my mom. Cause she always had the best shoes She does, and I could never wear them because I'm like a solid Two sizes, I think, bigger feet than her. So I couldn't even like pretend to squeeze my feet in there. I, I, I'm very, very grateful and happy to oblige. And also, like, <laughs> I have never met somebody with as skinny feet as, as, and I'm not a skinny person, you know. I just like, 
I have a little thin. Anyways, grateful. You have little narrow feet. Hashtag grateful. That was the best freaking day of my life. Um, <laughs> it was really besides, fun to watch the two you know, of them. Yeah. The birth of my children and marriage <laughs> to my husband and all, you know, whatever. But still, it was one of those really good days where I almost threw up. I was so happy. Um, but anyways, <laughs> back to it. We're on, it's rom crime time, Mahanga. I love you guys. That's right. We missed you. We're, yes, we're so glad to be back. And we have such a fun rom today. We do. And we have. I think a fascinating crime. Yes. I don't even know if it's like, I mean, it's a story that kind of uncovered criminal things. Well, we'll get into oh, it yeah. as we it's, go through the episode. So fascinating. But we should start, we should start with our ROM and our crimes of the week. Yes. Especially since we have a shared ROM this week. We do have a shared ROM. We have a shared ROM. It is this amazing, I guess what you call it, what, like a little green shot? Yeah. Like a green juice shot almost called Magic Mind. Magic Mind. And so you get like these shots. And so Evan and I were turned on to these and it's like, because you know when you go to the grocery store and you can get those like little ginger shots or whatever? This is yeah. different. This is like, um, it, it's kind of in lieu of or in addition to coffee. Yeah, it's got uh, matcha, which yeah. is a type of tea. I think a type of green tea that gives oh, you yeah. tons of energy. But it also has like adaptogens that kind of also keep you relaxed and even. So it's not like a woo caffeine yeah. hit. And then it's also got nootropics for focus, which I always find incredibly helpful. And, so and it tastes I. yummy. It's really it good. It tastes yummy. I've been uh, taking it every day for the last six or seven days. Yep, me too. Since we got back. I yeah. started like the day after we got back from our trip and I have totally noticed because you know this about me, Vaughn. Yeah. I've, I always describe like when I get up in the morning, it's kind of like a slow crawl back That's from true. death. Yes. <laughs> and it takes true. me like, it takes me a while to basically turn fully human yeah. and get anything done. And I have noticed that by Having this in addition to my coffee yeah. in the morning, I take uh, a shot of this and then I slowly sip on my iced coffee like I do. But I have not, I've stopped like procrastinating getting my day started. Isn't I've just crazy? been like immediately jumping in, doing what I need to do, which has been great because then I'm like, oh, now I can just relax and uh, read this book about this lady I'm going to tell you guys about later because I've gotten everything done. That's true. So I am like totally obsessed with this magic mind stuff. I know. I was able to take notes a little bit better. too. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy. And I, I probably have mentioned this on the podcast before. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I suffer. Let's call it my superpower is ADHD in my life. There you go. And I don't um, necessarily medicate. So this is kind of amazing because, you know, I've read in books about, like, taking lion's mane, which this, like, little shot, the Magic Mind stuff has in it, which is a, how do you say it, nootropic, nootropic? I'm not sure. I think, oh. I thought it was nootropic. I'm sure you're right. I, I don't I am, know. I'm no scientist. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, I remember trying to buy some lion's mane at the store, and I, like, made it, and I'm like, cool, cool. That was... Uh, that was like $12 for a tiny lion's mane. So anyways, these shots are much better because you can kind of, t you know, you just take it every morning. I kind of, and oh, the other, gr the other thing that I found kind of amazing is that, you know, I have kids and I'm always tired and holy shit, Calvin last night, I'm s like, he, my God, he's crawled into our bed and like he koala bared me all last night. So by the time I get to the afternoon by 3 p.m. where I'm like seriously dragging ass, mm -hmm. I am much better. It's it's so worth trying. Absolutely. It's absolutely worth trying. Especially for a mom or a dad or not a, a parent, let's just say, you, it, when you just get extra no sleep because your kids just beat you down physically, emotionally and like spiritually. <laughs> I feel like this is a great little pick me up. And I really love that there's no crash. Yeah, you can take it in the afternoon, too, because it's not like a coffee caffeination yeah. situation where it'll keep you up all night if you're sensitive. I wish I would have had this when we were bartending. Right? Yeah. 
Well, I am still bartending, so I oh. do have it. <laughs> but we're actually, you guys, because we love this little green magic shot, magic mind, we have a promo code for you guys. Yeah. So if you want to try it, you can go to www.magicmind.co, C-O, dash rom crime, and then you enter uh, promo code rom crime 20. And uh, for the next 10 days, you get 40% off if you choose the subscription option, but forever, for here and always and forever, you after those 10 days are up, you'll get 20% off with that promo code that nice? for both the subscription and the individual purchases. So totally check this out. I really love it. I've had it every yeah. day and I plan to keep having it every day. It's nice too because I feel like especially coming off the wedding, I was like maybe abusing my body a bit. So it feels like I'm doing something <laughs> nice for my body too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it really like... Man, I have been so productive this cool. week, especially since I was bragging about like, I don't have to work so much. And then I got back from vacation was like, just kidding. I work every day. I never have a day I know. off. <laughs> and I'm also like, I'm going to take it easy. And I'm like, oh, I think I've overextended myself with volunteering. This is what I do with my life. But thank God I have something to help me. Absolutely. So it's magic mind, like your mind, M-I-N-D, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Magicmind.co slash romcrime with the promo code romcrime20. Yay! Do it. Awesome. And also, what's your crime of the week? That's true. My crime is the fact that, honestly, it's my overextending myself. I'm like, why did I say yes to all of this? Vanya. And I told <laughs> my husband last night, I was like, I just want to, because, you know, he ends up being like the brunt of all my you know, when I'm so busy, because mm-hmm. I, I volunteered, I'm the chairperson for this like art thing that's actually amazing. And I, I love doing, I love anything to do with art. Anyways, but I'm definitely, I was spread really thin last night. Like I, or yesterday, I didn't get home till like eight because 830 because I was like doing stuff. Anyways, I said, Adam, I wow. am sorry. I said, I am acknowledging right now that I have taken on too much. I, he's been, we've been together for like t- over 20 years. So he's like watched me do this, like this cycle a bajillion times but I'm like I just want you to know that I know and I'm going to be better (laughs) good for you you it's hard it's hard too like when you you are somebody that is very passionate and you do you dive in like with you know you just fully dive in head first and it's and it is hard to say no you know but it's also good to recognize when you're like I have to remember that Boundaries are important yeah. and taking time for myself is important. Yep. My crime, my crime. So I was watching this documentary on Netflix just came out called Sea Wolf Island, uh, narrated by one of my favorites, Will Arnett, oh my gosh, which is fun. I'm pretty sure my husband put it on. And then I was like, I know that voice and I come trotting in. Anyway, it's about this crazy island where, you know, the ecosystem is wild. But there are these wolves on this island that can actually, you know, like they get in the water, Ooh. which I guess is unusual. But I was getting really mad. So my crime is, did you know that in wolf packs, that if another female wolf gets pregnant, when the alpha's female wolf is pregnant, they basically like shun her and cast her out of the pack and she has to fend for herself while she's pregnant because they want to take care of the other pregnant That's lady. bullshit. And apparently it's kind of love triangly because I'm pretty sure the alpha aren't all the females the alphas. So it's like maybe the alpha female. I don't Ugh. know. I was getting, I was raging so much that I wrote down, this is my freaking crime <laughs> of the week. How dare you guys cast seed her out of the pack while she's pregnant <laughs> wait where, where I is was this so on? mad what, what channel what it's on Netflix oh my gosh it's I have Netflix. to watch it I love it's, any you'll have to check it like out this. but yes and there was like bullshit. cute baby otters oh, and like you know otters. I get so nervous whenever I watch yeah, nature programs because you know nature she's well, yeah yeah man. she's a bitch it's, sure, it's so, <laughs> so true hey that's my costume by the way it's a, we're approaching Halloween my Halloween costume is mother nature 
dot 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 and she's pissed so i'll take a picture for you guys. um i'm obsessed i can't wait we'll i'm still working that. on that but um that's great i love i love uh that too i can't wait to share with y'all so i wonder if you guys remember a little movie from 1999 a little rom-com mm. uh with our um our favorite drew barrymore called never been keased She's never been kissed. <laughs> I just said that weird, didn't I? <laughs> I liked the way well, I was really into the way you said uh, "been." Never been. She's never been I kissed. Because I, I mean, that is actually how you say it. But we always say "never been never kissed." Never been kissed. Uh, this movie is. It was fun to rewatch. You can you can go for if you have Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. You can watch stream it for free. Um, you know, like always, problematic things. But she is, she's her typical Drew Barrymore, just full of love and light. Uh, David Arquette plays her brother. Um, who? Oh, what's his name? Plays her boss, the guy from. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, the guy who was like the dirty guy in that L.A. Uh, Lakers movie. Um, not dirty, but he plays. Oh, it just went past. Hold on. John C. Riley. John it. C. Riley plays her boss. Oh. Octavia Spencer has a small role. Uh, Molly Shannon's in it. Uh, Michael Vart- Vartan plays the love entrance. Vartan, Vartan. Yes. yes. Her teacher. Mm-hmm. Slash love it. I mean, not really her teacher, because, well, let's get to the plot yeah. maybe a little okay, bit. Okay, so it's basically about this junior copywriter for the Chicago Sun Times. And so she's this like atypical person who is. Um, you know, she just basically rewrites copy. Her boss knows she's going to always do like the correct thing. Throughout the movie, she's like correcting people's grammar, which I'm like, okay, just calm the calm the fuck down. That's not a great, you know, it's, I, listen, I like get have it. good grammar, people. Yeah. yeah. Have good grammar. It's annoying. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely I do notice things. It I say every anyways. Time. I, I have a couple of things that oh, are super too. annoying, but like, I'm just, you know, I know that the writer uh, was written by Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein. I don't know. I know that they probably have, they got to put in their little writer quips in there. But yes. anyways, her whole life is she's like, I just want to be a successful journalist. I want to go undercover. And her boss is like, no, you're not, you're great where you are. Don't do it. And then they're in their big, like, you know, what do you call it? They're like the boardroom. And I think it's Gary Marshall plays like the owner or the CEO, you know, the main guy. He's wow. always yelling at people. Okay. And he's like, we need, he fires somebody. He's like, we need something exciting. And he turns to Drew Barrymore. He's like, we've enlisted you or we've uh, signed you up for high school. You're going back to high school and you're going to do an expose on high school students and what's happening. And she's like, oh my God, it's finally happening. Oh my gosh. And Molly Shannon, who is like her best friend in the office and like super slutty, which I love, but like, you know, she's like, <laughs> um, dresses her so badly. Oh God. Yeah. Well, and like one of the big the big issues is so they want her to go undercover, right? Yeah. And like get the skinny on high school students. But uh, Josie is her name. Josie Geller. Yes, Josie Geller. She ha- But she didn't have a really great high school experience the first no. time around. Her- In fact, it was pretty horrific. Yeah. They called her Josie Grossi. Like the bullying. It is. Yeah. It's so hard to watch. So throughout this movie, we see her go back into time into her old high school. And it's just, I have to say, it's, I feel so like, like I want to die a little bit because th- she plays it so yeah. I mean it's all it's definitely over the top how she plays it when she go back but she's just like the worst the most embarrassing it's it's just beyond awful and they're so mean to her and they I mean obviously it is it's a movie and it's over the top so she's in high school walking around like full headgear not just yeah. braces and so as somebody who wore headgear I can uh tell you 
one ouch like what a terrible way to spend every minute of your day i only had to wear that i only had to wear that shit at night and it was still (laughs) like i was you know my parents were torturing me i had to sleep in that headgear but I didn't have to wear it to school. I can't imagine. Wait, okay, wait. I have a question. So you wore headgear, right? So you had the braces and everything. But yes. So when you when you f- went to sleep, could you just not move your head, or how big was it? I mean, it was. It basically goes over the front of your uh-huh. face, right? So it's like a, it, I can't even really. Re- I think I blocked it. Honestly, it was traumatic. <laughs> I know it hurt, but it's like connect. No, it's Welcome okay. It's like connected. We're bringing up the. We're up the yes, subject. we're gonna go into my average childhood trauma. She had to wear headgear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, so so it's like I'm like I'm really messed up because I wore yeah. headgear, guys. No, I can't even remember, but it definitely made it so that you probably I probably had to kind of lie flat on my back. It would have been hard to lie on my side yeah. and definitely would not have been able to lie on my stomach and also I know you're listening, mom, but I also took it off most times after <laughs> the doors were shut because <laughs> I was like this no, this freaking I wonder if sucks. they still do it. Do you think they still do headgear? I hope not. I feel like they've come so far, yeah. right? We used to have like metal like glued to our teeth and then they'd like screw them all together with wires and now they've got like Invisalign so I imagine they've figured out an alternative to headgear although maybe I'm wrong if we have any dentist or orthodontist listeners out there that know for a fact that people are still being made to wear headgear she was uh, in the dental field Um, but yeah so, so yeah it's it's it they're this movie they're doing everything to make them like like to really drive it home that she was a nerd and she got super bullied and they show a part where she's going to the 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 really hot guy who she's like obsessed with uh, is you know asks her to the prom and then it ends badly and she gets like like he throws I mean (laughs) I feel like Drew Barrymore got hurt in this stunt like someone throws an egg at her (laughs) face and it like hits her face oh that's right because she basically yeah she basically gets asked to the prom by her dream guy but it's a cruel prank so she's all dressed up and then he and his mean girlfriend who's been mean to her and all throughout high school as well they just throw eggs yeah. at her like she's not a freaking human being i don't know i it's very it, makes it does me so too. Mad. it makes me upset. bullies are the worst but so then we're so, bullies so are we're, the worst. we're with molly shannon and octavia spencer and they're like she's getting ready to go and you know and she has this great speech i remember thinking the last time i watched this i'm like this is such a good Speech, but I'm also like, I don't necessarily believe in it. But she talks about, she says, that thing, that moment when you kiss someone and everything around you becomes hazy. So she she basically has this like very ideally idealized look into what love is, right? She says, everything becomes hazy. The only thing in focus is you and this person. And you realize that that person is the only person that you're supposed to kiss for the rest of your life. And for one moment, you get this amazing gift and you want to laugh and you want to cry because you feel so lucky that you found it and so scared that it will go away all at the same time (laughs) and then octavia spencer goes damn girl you are a writer but i'm like okay so maybe she's a writer but maybe she's like a very inexperienced human being too just saying yeah well as we've uh, you know per the title of the film she's never been oh my god how can uh, uh, yeah so so this is a Oh, well, how old do you think she's supposed to be? Like in her mid twenties at this point? She's got still young if enough she's a to pass. She's a junior copywriter. Let's say she got out of college. I bet she's like twenty five or something. Yeah, she says she's twenty five. Right. She's and but yes, yeah, so she goes back to school and she's supposed to be seventeen. She gets into class with the hot teacher, and she says she like responds to something. I think it's like Shakespeare, and he goes, "Are you really? Are you sure you're seventeen? Because he looks at her like <laughs> real ugly, and you're like, Mm-mm, "Sir, this is not good. I don't care if somebody looks forty because there are high school students that look rough." 
out there in That's this world. That's right. <laughs> That is the problem. That's a big problem with this film, yeah. right? Is that even though it's kind of like what we were talking about in Clueless, yeah. like technically nothing wrong with dating your stepbrother or step sibling. Yeah. Um, but it's cringy. And while technically she's not a high school student, she's in fact 25 years old and a professional, you know, copywriter. Uh, he doesn't exactly. know that. And so a teacher should not be getting googly eyed at the new student just because she looks like she might be um, a little older than a high school student totally. uh, because he does not know. He's not in on the undercover of it all. And then the boss, Gary Marshall's whatever, he's like, I'm going to fire everybody. John C. Riley, you're getting fired. Drew Barrymore, you're getting fired. If if this, if we don't get a good uh, article out of this, and so she's like, oh shit, because right now she's like really latched on with all the kids who are in the math club. She becomes a member of the denominators, which I love that you know it's like the math team. Yeah. Uh, so she basically she's not getting in with the no. The hip so she, kids she's that changing he, that. that the boss wants. So yeah. she goes to like this like after. I don't know, like hours club or whatever that I guess teenagers can go to because she also sees the teacher there. She gets high, eats a brownie, gets super. That's the other thing is every time there's cake, is she's like, is this cake? Can I have it? I'm like, oh my God, stop making her. I mean, like I, I love cake. I actually don't love cake, but I like sweets too. It doesn't matter. But it's just like whoever wrote this, I'm like, everyone calm the hell down. I know we're allowed to, but yeah. like the way she plays, she's like, oh, I'm single and I love cake and I love words. and yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so she eats the brownie. She gets super high, does some <laughs> inappropriate shit on stage. The teacher and her have like a moment she meets the teacher's like girlfriend from New York who wants him to move mm. and this and that and uh, yeah so she becomes she becomes popular you know with her brother Doesn't her brother have to like go undercover as well because he was cool in high school and she wasn't yeah and she's like, I need you to help yeah, me. Yeah, he does. And he's. this was his heyday. There's so many people. Out, I mean, I don't know anymore because I don't live near my... But there are, you know, people who their best times of their life was in high school. And you kind of like latch onto that. And then you feel like sad for the rest of your life. That's this, you know, David Arquette's character. Uh, like he was supposed to yeah, play the minors in high or like baseball and... Oh, yeah, and he got injured, right, in high yeah, school. Yeah, So he didn't just, yeah, he peaked popularity-wise, but also his career ended yep. in high school, which is a big bummer. That's a sad situation to find it yourself really in. It really is. But he, bring, he comes back, he brings Josie from Grossy to Awesome, and everything's going well. Her nerd friends are feeling sad and, like, left out. And uh, there there's, like, a carnival carnival or something and she she ends up she's like they're like single on the car ferris wheel and and then the teacher's like oh i'll go with you and so they have this like moment on the ferris wheel and i'm like oh god and again at a school function Inapropes. the teacher's like i'll i'll be with you so you're not alone on this ferris wheel <laughs> so inappropriate it's, although he's so i cute. know he is and Michael that's fine Bartan. you know but yeah, all in all, they uh, he he finds out that she was doing an expose on the school, and it was kind of and and by the way, they put a camera the you know her work people they've been watching like it's a reality television show Dude. of her trying to get it on with this teacher which is probably so illegal oh. like you can't film school students so illegal. On so many levels. Without their parents and their, well, at least without their parents' consent, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know they're not like elementary school kids No, or but you definitely but you can't. can't really like bring a camera into a school and then. But yeah. So wait, how does she get found so out again? How does, how does it? It comes out, she outs herself, basically. Mm. She's like, I blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, I'm actually 25 and I'm. Um, writing an article and this and that because people were mean to her friend you know they were going to basically do a similar situation where the egg got thrown in her face when she was in high school they were going to do the same thing to her f best friend her, you know 
in the denominators. For yeah. Her undercover. And so she like oh, lost okay. her shit. She's like, no. Oh, by the way, the teacher also asks her to dance at the prom before this all goes down. I'm like, you probably, I feel like that's a no no, right? I mean, all right, everybody, close your eyes. Go back to prom. Yep, I'm there. Imagine asking or one of your teachers coming up to you and being like, would you like to dance at prom I'd be like, with all of your... You. Like, not even if he was the hot sure. teacher, I'd be like, uh, we can't do no, that. No, exactly. That's, like, it's crazy. I mean, I it's so weird. It's, I mean, <laughs> granted, it's it's a movie, everyone. I, I feel like I'm really I'm laying it on thick with how problematic that aspect of it is. No, but I think, I mean, you, you're not, it, it is. But it really, it really is. is. I love the idea <laughs> like, of just like, because I can close my eyes and I can be back in that room and look around. And if like, I don't know, we didn't really have and any hot teachers. And if someone was but, dancing with a teacher, uh-uh. like slow dancing at prom with a teacher, everyone would have been like. Exactly. And people would have been talking and talking. Oh, yeah. The principal would have probably come in and been like. Tap tap Sorry. tap. Uh, excuse me, teacher. We're gonna need to step outside some room and have a conversation. Ghost in there. But yeah, in the <laughs> end, it comes out. She ends up writing an article about how she's really sorry that she hurt people by going undercover, and that she really actually loves this guy, the teacher. And if he and that she's never being she's never keased. being keased. And if he feels if his heart changes, she's gonna be at this baseball game waiting. At halftime? I don't actually know how that works. But anyway, she's... Or before the game starts, I think. At halftime. Okay, I was like, I think there's a seventh inning stretch. (laughs) No, I think it's before the game starts. And she's waiting and nobody comes, nobody comes, nobody comes. And then he comes. Kiss me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the movie. I hope hope you... I should should have said spoils, but, you know, watch it, don't watch it. I don't know. It's, you know, of of the time when it came out, I loved this movie when it came yeah, out. Yeah, me, uh, me too. It was fun. It was, you know, for anybody who was a, a nerd in high school or felt like a nerd or, fe- yeah. you know, or didn't get that first kiss until later in life. Like, man, it was just a sweet yeah. movie that like made you feel like life can still, you know, start at 25. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, you know, Drew Barrymore is yeah. fun to watch regardless. So. And actually, she, so yeah. is She's, Arquette. David Arquette's great. Molly Shannon's great. Yeah, and Molly Shannon, Octavia Spencer. I, I mean, coming in there, mm-hmm. you're like, hey, girl, I know. you are like a super famous Oscar-winning exactly. actress now. I know. I thought that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So, so be, that all being said, I'm excited yes, to hear well, I, your. Uh, I'm your excited where I went with this because I definitely immediately thought to myself, okay, inappropriate student-teacher relationship. Yeah. And there's so many well-known, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's so many well-known stories of teachers having inappropriate relationships Ugh. with their students. Um, what was the one that you did when we did that live? Was oh, that yeah. Letourneau? Yeah, Mary Kay Letourneau. And they got married, and I think they just only recently got well, divorced. she died. Anyway. Remember, oh, right. if you guys are interested oh, in yeah. listening to that story, you can go into our Instagram, 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 <laughs> no, in our Instagram it's a- at Rom Crime and go back to, um, it's one, it's one of the, the stories or reels. The live yeah, the live. Yeah. But it, it's actually, I recently watched it with my mom because she wanted to. That was a good story. I thought it was a, a good episode. You did a great job with that. And it's a, it's a well-known story. So yeah. I kind of feel like I just decided not to go that route because I, I know we talked already about maybe the most famous case of it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do something else. So I just decided, I was like, okay, undercover reporter, true crime. Perfect. I just Googled that. And then just one name came up. I mean, I didn't scroll past the first page because I was immediately captivated by um, 
a woman named Nellie Bly, who in the late 1880s, I'm taking you guys back to 1887, New York City. She went undercover in an insane asylum to reveal and bring, you know, to the public the atrocities that were going on behind closed doors. And I read her book. (gasps) It's called 10 Days in the Madhouse by Nellie Bly. And so everything that I am going to tell you about is directly from her book. Crazy. That's incredible. And it's and it's just a crazy story. So basically she's like the a badass, you guys. So she got into the newspaper business when she was only 18 because someone had written uh, an article in the Pittsburgh Dispatch where she was from. Uh, it was a writer named Erasmus Wilson who was known as the quiet observer in this paper. And uh, he basically wrote an op-ed claiming that women were best served by conducting domestic duties and calling the working woman a monstrosity. And at 18 years old, she wrote a response, like a scathing response that was so well-written that the newspaper hired her. Yes! Go Nelly. So already, already we love Nelly. So, uh, she was working as a reporter by 1885 in uh, for the Pittsburgh Dispatch, but eventually, over time, they she she got shifted. Where now she's just uh, covering stupid, like frilly. She wants to do like real yeah. shit, and she wants to definitely. She's a feminist, uh, and so she leaves and she moves to New York City. And she's like, I'm out of here. I don't want to cover you know like a home economics series or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that they had women reporters do back then and she basically talks her way into getting a job at the uh the new york world which is owned by the uh joseph pulitzer and i don't know if that's like where the pulitzer prize comes from but his last name was pulitzer so i just thought i'd mention that but she basically talks her way into a job by agreeing to do this undercover mission where she's going to get herself She's going to convince enough of the doctors that she's insane and she's going to get herself into this asylum. They assure her that they will be able to get her out. However, it's like they're like, of course, we'll get you out. I'm sure we'll be I able mean, to get you out. That scares like, me. I, I, she must have been yeah, really ballsy you know, because like I am like afraid. I think like everyone has that deep fear of like they're going to think I'm crazy and then I'm going to not be able to do anything. Ah. Right. They're not going to believe me when I tell them that I'm an undercover like reporter because they're right just going to say. That girl's crazy. Listen, she thinks she's an investigative journalist. You know, like it all is a little bit terrifying. Yes. Okay. So here is where it starts. She comes up with the whole plan. She feels in the, according to the book, cause it's, you know, first person account. She feels very confident in her acting ability that she'll be able to convince like other people around her that she's a crazy lady, but she is a little concerned about the doctors of it all. And she's, she's, practicing in the mirror like she decided that the look was like to kind of look dazed and off into space like if you just kind of look like you have like a a blank dreamy expression okay. then they'll totally think you're crazy and guess she was right because she did manage to get in there which i love it like a woman who looks dreamy she must be insane oh um so the plan is she's gonna stay at a boarding house right so there are places that you could spend like 30 cents and have a place to stay for the night. It's usually women, you know, who are probably poverty stricken and or like in transit, like moving from place to place. So it's not like a permanent you can stay, but it's, you know, it's per night they charge you and you get a meal and a, and a, and a bed in a room, not even your own room. You just get a bed. So she's going to get herself into a boarding house and that's where she's going to start acting. Insane. Okay. And I feel bad because I don't, I know that 
the term, like the terminology, like we we don't say insane, we don't say crazy, we say mentally yeah, ill, yeah. We say, you know, all those things. But just remember, this was 1887 and her entire book, you know, it's called 10 Days in a Madhouse and everyone, it's just insane. Lunatic is a word that is, comes up a lot, you know, Um and so I apologize if it seems like I'm being insensitive. It's just the nature of like where I got the information. Yeah. And uh, that's how it was referred to. So I recognize. And also this points out a lot of flaws in the system. We're kind of where still it like an issue started, that we right? can talk about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she gets a room at the temporary home for females. <laughs> oh, gosh. The 1880s, everyone. Aye, aye, aye. And she changes her name from Nellie Bly. She tells the, these people that her name is Nellie Brown. And in order to basically convince the other women at this boarding house that she is cuckoo, she starts the assistant to like the headmistress of the home. She starts telling her that she thinks everyone, like everyone she's come in contact with is crazy. Ding! Sorry. She thinks everyone is crazy, right? And the woman's like, no, I, I don't think anyone here is crazy. And she's like, no, I can tell. Look at her face. She's crazy. Then... She refuses to sleep, right? So she's sitting. Oh, you can up make yourself in crazy. a room with other yeah. women. Yep, looking all wide-eyed and ranting about how everyone there is crazy, and she won't sleep. She's afraid to sleep. So much so that she starts to terrify the other women, <laughs> and so they're like, because <laughs> she's ranting and screaming that they're crazy, and she's kind of you know sitting up, looking like wide-eyed and wild, and then she starts going on and on about her trunks. Where are my trunks? You know, and she didn't bring any trunks with her, guys. But she's now saying she's lost her trunks, and she will not rest until she gets her trunks. So they call the cops, and they're like, "We have a woman here that we think is insane." Uh, so the police show up, right, and they're like. She's freaking out. She won't go with them. And so basically they say, we'll help you find your trunks. You just have to come with us. We know where they take lost trunks. Because <laughs> they're going to take her basically to, uh, it's called like the Essex Courthouse, where a judge is going to determine if she needs to be seen by doctors, oh, right? So she at this point starts saying that she doesn't remember anything. She doesn't know her name. She doesn't know if she has family. And she does, she does know, though, that she has these trunks and she, ca she has to find them. She goes before the judge and while he's asking her questions, she's like, I am from Cuba. <laughs> that's, and that's all she can remember. And the judge weirdly goes on and on about how she reminds him of his sister. And he believes that she maybe was drugged by someone, which is why she's acting erratic. She's probably not insane. She looks far too lovely to be insane. Oh. But he does believe that she should probably go to Bellevue and be examined. Okay. Since she's not acting normal. So now she's managed to fool ladies in a boarding house and a judge who's, you know, definitely a little soft and sweet on her. But he's like, yes, we'll take you to Bellevue. All right. So that'll be the first test, right? So she, uh, or no, sorry, the court was the first test. Now she's going to go to Bellevue Hospital for evaluation. While she's being like, she's in a waiting room, right, with other women, uh, she meets a fellow patient named Annie Neville. And she basically says, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, because they only bring insane people to this particular pavilion at Bellevue. Like the only people in this room, all of us, they think we're crazy or we wouldn't be here. So are you crazy? And uh, Annie says that she's quite sane, she, uh, that the doctors won't listen to what she's trying to explain to them. They keep asking her questions and trying to trip her up. But basically what had happened is that she had become exhausted from like overwork and just general stress of being poor 
and alone as a female in the 1880s. And so she had gone to a boarding house to convalesce to get some rest. And then her nephew, who had been paying the bills for the boarding house, I don't know, lost his job or something, couldn't pay the bills anymore. And so he had her instead of, you know, letting her come back to his place or whatever. He basically had her taken from the boarding house to Bellevue because he just couldn't pay the bill. And throughout this whole conversation, Nellie says in the book, she's like, I believed 100% that this woman was as sane as I was. <gasps> and uh, so that's just upsetting, right? You're like, you were just basically you got thrown out for lack of being able to pay. And now you're what? Being psyche, like, what's the word? Psyche, psych- psychiatrically. Psychiatrically. Psy- so I was like, not psychiatrically. <laughs> psychiatrically evaluated for like being insane for the very, just because your nephew couldn't pay your boarding house bills. All right, so Nellie finally meets the doctor. And all he asks her, pretty much, is like, do you know your name and where you're from? And she's like, no. Then he asks her basically if she's a sex worker. He's like, do men keep you and take care of you? And she's inside mortally offended and has to do like everything she can not to be like, "Uh, fuck you, dude. (laughs) So she's just like, I don't understand what you mean. I always was at home. That's what Uh she said. And so after just a couple of minutes with those being the questions, nothing about her mental fitness, um, he turns to the nurse and declares, and this is a quote, that she is, quote, positively demented. I consider it a hopeless case. She needs to be put somewhere. Someone can take care of her. What? After just asking her a couple of questions. All right. So she passed that test, got that doctor to say, time to go. So she did it, you guys. She is on her way to the asylum on Blackwell's Island, which is now called Roosevelt Island, if you're familiar yes. with New York. Oh, that's So Roosevelt right. Island is, is, yeah, is where like the prison is, right? No, or Roosevelt is where um, there was many mental institutions, but now there's like people live on that island, remember? I feel like we went to school oh, with a right. bunch and of girls. Oh, that's right, and there's like a really good from Or not a bunch, I know a couple there. girls from acting class who lived on Roosevelt Island. Okay, well, it was used to be called Blackwell's Island, but it's the same yeah. place. And that's where the insane asylum was. Okay. So after being taken by boat uh, to Blackwell Island, Nellie and the other women that had been with her at Bellevue, including Annie, who had just been thrown out of a boarding house and now was going to an insane asylum, um, they get to the island and they're basically taken in a wagon from the boat to well, the, where they're going to be staying. And along the way, they pass a short stone building where there's like a wretched awful disgusting smell wafting Mm. out into the air and Nellie would later learn that that's the kitchen where they make the meals for all of the patients yeah so after they reach the asylum they're taken into a small vestibule and told to sit down and one by one the women were taken in to meet with the doctor Nellie uh, and this is from her book Nellie heard one woman plead her case so rationally and so soundly that she was positive that no doctor upon hearing it would would let her be committed to this asylum. She was wrong. It's like, you're, no, you're going in. Another woman who spoke only German went in next, and Nellie was horrified that even the most basic, like, treatment, like, bring in somebody who speaks German to explain to this woman what's happening and then also allow her to explain to you who she is and what's going on with her is denied. So basically because she can't understand them, they're like, go in. You're you're insane too. Uh, and she, Nellie, is horrified by what she's witnessing. Like women who can't understand what's happening being committed simply because they don't speak English. And then it's her turn to go in. And 
Literally during her examination in the book, she describes how the doctor the whole time is is barely even talking to Nellie or asking her questions. He's flirting with the nurse, oh. asking her like what her plans are for her day off, if she's where she's going to go out <gasps> to dinner, she's going to go out with friends. Like that's what he's doing. He's barely talking to Nellie. He's learning what his favorite nurse is going to do on her day off. And by the time he knows all about her weekend plans, Nellie too is being committed to the insane. Oh asylum. my god! Yeah. It's an, it's 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 really messed up. All right. So her first night in the asylum, Nellie was most shocked by the food. Now, remember, she already went past a building where the smell was like wretched. Like and that's apparently. Yeah. And that's where the food was coming from. Uh, the patients were given tea that tasted like copper, stale bread with rancid butter, mm. a boiled potato and a piece of spoiled meat. Now, over her 10 days there, she actually would barely eat at all because that's how bad the food was. Uh, half the time, the bread wasn't even fully cooked. It was just hard dough. Why? I mean, Jesus, uh, are one, they trying to torture these women? I know. A little bit. At one, po- at one point during her stay there, when she bit into her bread or broke her bread, there was a spider baked into it. Oh, my uh, God. And the meat, uh, the meat that they gave them was always unseasoned and slightly spoiled. And if they were fed fish, basically they boiled the fish in water with no salt, no nothing, and then just gave them boiled Ew. fish. Like this is the quality of the food they're being fed. So that's already one like horrific thing. And we'll get into, you know, basically like why she became super famous after she got out of here for what she uncovered and what she was yes. able to do for the people in, on Blackwell's Island. Another horrific aspect were the baths. So the asylum was uh, like on a drafty, you know, in a drafty old like building on an island surrounded by water. So it's it's cold. Yeah, it's very cold. And the patients are given like these threadbare nightgowns. So Nellie finds herself constantly freezing, like shivering. She can't get warm. And then this is made worse when she experiences her first bath. About 40 women are brought into the, a, a, the bathroom, if you will, and they're made to take off their clothes and climb into a bathtub where they're viciously, that's how she described it, viciously scrubbed by the nurses. After they scrub them down, then they dumped three buckets of ice over Nellie's head, ice cold water, not ice, sorry, ice cold water over her head. So much so that she said she like, in the moment she was like, this must be what drowning feels like. Like she's sputtering, she's freezing, it's going in, up her nose and down her throat. Uh, and then when they're done, they get out. There are two towels for all 40, 40 to 45 women that they have to share. And then they don't even empty the dirty bath water between. The, they just make the next roll get in Ugh. where there's still the dirty water. So she's horrified. She's like, what the actual F is going on? Plus, she was already freezing. And then they dumped ice cold water on her. So when she asked for a shawl or a blanket and was told no, she was like, what the actual mm. fuck is this? Okay, in my favoritely, that's not a word because it definitely <laughs> said it wasn't, but in my favoritely titled chapter in the book, the, so the name of this chapter was Promenading with Lunatics. <laughs> um, is that she describes basically how they, they take them for walks, right? So they're on an island. They put them in these like hilarious white dresses and weird like bathing caps that she said like the people on Coney Island wore and they just promenade around the island. So she's promenading with lunatics, but she's specifically curious because she sees a group of about 50 women and they are all attached with this leather strap. Like it's like looped around each woman, but in but it's like one big yeah, long, they, basically like human Well, leash. they do that in like, uh, you know, for preschools in element or in uh, New York when you're walking yeah, the kids but down it's the like, street. Yes, yeah, so it's like that, but 1887's version for women 
uh, considered crazy now she finds out that these women because it's only 50 women it's not everybody there's like 1600 women oh my god in, in this asylum but these 50 women are considered the most dangerous of like the mentally insane uh on the island and so that's why they're tethered together and then tethered to a wagon because i guess they that's they think they can keep other people safe from them if that's what they do uh and she said that the screaming and laughing and singing coming specifically from this group of 50 women, because it was like everything, just like a cacophony of all of the sounds and emotions. She said it was haunting and terrifying. And she was like, oh, because at one point she had had plans to maybe try to get put into like that. They called it the lodge where they kept these women, which is like a separate area. They called it the lodge. She had planned to like start acting violent at one point so she could get put in there and see what the treatment was then and this is the first time that she's like oh gosh <laughs> maybe not. I don't know if I want I don't know if I can do that but the worst things that Nellie witnessed was the abuse that the nurses routinely inflicted on the patients one of the head nurses her name was Mrs. Grady she was the cruelest basically she enjoyed uh, learning what triggered certain patients because remember while several of these women clearly did not belong here some of them yeah. did they needed help they needed to be looked after and this nurse Grady loved to figure out what would be like a trigger so one woman who was a little uh, she described her as being a little silly in the head was like obsessed with her age and swore she was 18 she wasn't she was much older but this nurse loved to be like uh, you know I just saw the doctor's chart it says you're 33 I thought you said you were 18 and would like basically poke at her until she'd like lose it and start screaming and crying. And she would use the screaming and crying fit as the opportunity for her and her assistant nurses. They would basically tackle her, beat her. Sometimes they would choke. She saw the nurses choking patients. Um, let's see. There was another woman who was like going on and on about the devil and the nurses got her all riled up. And she said that the, Finger-shaped bruises on that woman's neck were visible for days. After the nurses beat these women, they would then take them to the closet and lock them in the closet until they would stop, like, screaming. Oh, my God. I'd rather just die. I know. And, well, several of the women also screamed, like, please, God, let me die. Anything, you know, like, take me away from here. Let me die. I would rather be dead than here. Um, And when Nellie would tell the doctors about this... They would say that she w- she didn't really see that. That was a product of her mentally insane m- brain. <sighs> and I was like, that would make me go insane. I would actively go insane if I was seeing these things, telling people about it and being told that I wasn't really seeing it because my brain was insane and I was making it up. I think I would actually, I wrote at the end of that, I was like, maddening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just like, it's so messed up. It's like, and I'm sure these people considered themselves like good Christian people. You know what I mean? It just sure helping helping these poor unfortunate souls. You know, <sighs> but by beating them up and then also like trying to drive them into fits of you know hysteria so that they would have a reason to maybe use such force. cruelty. It's just cruel. Yeah. It's so cruel and it's so unnecessary. And it's already you know like you're already making them all probably sick with fevers and colds because it's freezing. They're barely eating. All the things that could just turn Think about a person how scared you would be. Sane. Like I, I when I I've gone to the ER a couple times and you're always cold and you're always it's like just like for like that brief moment and I feel my anxiety is like up so high. You can only imagine. Yeah. Oh, they're these poor women. Just being locked away somewhere and and for most of them, you know, knowing you're never leaving. Oh my god. 
So while there, Nellie heard many stories from women who, in her opinion, they were perfectly sane. It was obvious that these women didn't belong in an insane asylum. Uh, She noticed that most of the women she spoke to that this was true of were either very, very poor or foreign and did not speak English. Uh, Basically, many of the women who couldn't speak English well didn't understand the process they were being put through at the time, and that's how they ended up getting committed, is just by simply not understanding what was being said and not being able to defend themselves. Uh, There was another woman who had been committed by her husband because she liked other men that weren't him. Mm. So she basically had, she was, he could commit her though to an insane asylum because she had an eye for other men that weren't him. Um, And then there was another woman that she spoke to that had applied for like government assistance, poverty assistance. And then instead of being placed in a shelter, like she had been applying to do so, they put her in the asylum on Blackwell's Island. So by simply asking for like poverty assistance, she ended up committed. Um, there was an, one more woman that she spoke to that basically worked as a cook at a you know a rich family's home, and she had gotten into an argument with a chambermaid who had specifically like done something to one of her things in her bedroom. So they got into like a screaming match, and so for having a temper, she was committed. It's not fair. Like these are the, that these are the reasons. So uh, and most of these women she spoke to who she believed were sane had also experienced the wrath of Nurse Grady and her assistants being beaten and choked for insisting simply that they did not belong in the asylum. Now, remember, she's undercover, y'all. She is make she is making mental notes. She is keeping track of everything that she sees. But here's the deal. When she went before that judge, word got out about this pretty young girl from Cuba who didn't know who she was or who her family was. And it made the papers. So while she was there, people kept coming to see if she was like their family member. That, you know, like so someone who had lost a loved one or his wife had gone off or something. So people were coming to see her. And on one day uh, in the asylum, Mrs. Grady told Nellie that there was someone here and she walked she entered the room and she came face to face with a man whom according to her book she had been intimately acquainted with some years Uh earlier and the minute she saw him and he saw her like both of their eyes went hugely wide because they know each other and she's like fuck Uh (laughs) i'm gonna get he's gonna blow my cover but she's able to like kind of whisper to him basically like don't blow my cover and he doesn't ask any questions and he's totally like, got it. And then he just looks at the nurse and he's like, I'm sorry, this is not the woman that I am looking for. And he to- and he leaves. But she has this terrifying <gasps> moment where she's like, they're going to bust me right here now in front of the mean, mean nurse who is also like always getting pissed at Nellie because Nellie is ratting on her to the yeah. doctors. Right. And so she calls Nellie every mean name. She says every vile name and word that a human being could come up with. Nurse Grady called me. Well, because she was a devil, Nurse Grady. Yeah, she was so mean. Okay, and then we come to the 10th day, and a lawyer arrives. Oh, thank God. And informs the doctors and Nellie that some of her friends have offered to look after her if she would prefer to be in their care instead of here on the island. Now, as I mentioned, Nellie had originally planned on ratcheting up her behavior and getting moved to like the more intense wards. But she decided she had seen all she needed to see. She had the information she needed to have. And so she was like, yes, I would very much (laughs) like to be in the care of my friends. And uh, within a few hours, she's actually being taken to the boat to leave the island. And she said that it was a mixture of like relief 
because she didn't know, honestly, even though they said they'd get her out. They didn't tell her what the plan was or like the timeline or anything. And she also felt guilty for leaving behind women that she knew did not belong there. Uh, And then this is like her most famous quote from the book. The asylum on Blackwell's Island is a human rat trap. It's easy to get in. But once there, it is impossible to get out. Because how easily she got there, she didn't even really have to do anything. In fact, one of the things that she notes is the minute she was committed to the asylum, she started acting like herself, like she didn't do anything unusual or weird. The only thing that she maintained was that she didn't know who she was or where she was from. But her behavior, she didn't do her like dreamy eye thing. You know, she just was herself again. And nobody noticed or, or cared or thought that woman doesn't seem like she should be here. Okay, so she gets out, y'all, and she starts writing articles, and they become a sensation. So much so, like, the series of articles is actually what became this book. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was like, and she, I think, I think she probably filled it out as well, but that's how many articles she wrote, enough that she could turn it into a book. And this uh, made her actually quite famous. Did it help? As a journalist. Get any of the women out? Okay, oh, yeah. Because this here, is like, well, I'm dying well, here. What I'm, I'm like, oh, I know. God. Here's what, I, here's what I'm going to tell you happened. About a month after she started writing these articles, uh, a grand jury investigation began into the goings-on. And Nellie was asked to testify about her experience. And basically, she laid out everything that she laid out in the book, the food, the baths, the treatment, the horrible abuse, the belief that several of the women in there were not insane. Um, And so she lays it all out in horrible detail. And then the jury is actually taken to the asylum to tour it, to see the atrocities. But here's the rub, you guys. They, the, the asylum knew they were coming. Of course. And so when they arrived, everything that Nellie described had been changed. So there was plenty of warm blankets and the and shawls for all of the women. They were uh, two giant boxes of salt very prominently placed in the kitchen so that they couldn't be missed. And every single patient that Nellie had mentioned by name in her testimony had conveniently been transferred or released. But none of them were there to be interviewed or talked to. Which is bullshit. Yeah. But they should but, think that's fishy, right? Like, the ju- everybody. Yeah, but the jury actually did. The jury was like, interesting. We believe Nellie Bly. And the result of this belief was an additional $1 million a year. Now, just so you guys remember, this is 1887. So $1 million in 1887 is the equivalent of $31,242,947.37 today. Additional funding per year to basically like take better care of these people. So she opened up people's minds to like how, because all the reason they said that, you know, when she, that they had bad food and they didn't have warm stuff is they're like, we don't have money. This is a, you know, this is paid for by the taxpayers and you should just be grateful that you're not on the streets, you know? And so as a result of her investigation and testi- uh, testimony, the state actually provided an additional million dollars a year just for like the upkeep and to take better care of these patients. And uh, again, as I mentioned, she became very, very famous and she continued to, uh, to work as an investigative journalist uh, and focusing mainly on, you know, women's issues and unfair things being done to women. And also she did go around the world and wrote an article about it, which was pretty cool. I didn't get into it 
but uh, I guess she followed like a journey that a man had done to go around the world oh, in yes, 70 right, days or something. Right. And, sh- and she did it too and then wrote a big article about it. And so that is the story of undercover reporter Nellie Bly, a badass lady who, you know, basically opened people's eyes to the treatment of of people that were, you know, who have who, who needed to be looked yes. after, who needed to be, ta- you know, we talk about the this all the time. Yeah. The vulnerable people, you know, and it's like just how poorly they were being treated, how they weren't being listened to. You know, she said the whole time she was there, like basically the doctors just like walked through and nodded at them. They weren't getting treatment. They weren't trying to help them in any way. They just were like, you crazy. This is where you live now. Yeah. And these nurses can do whatever they want to you because no one's right. There was no rehabilitation in any way. I mean, like (laughs) just the fact. Yeah. No attempt at it either. Given cold, disgusting baths. I'm just. Yes. And she, I mean, and she, you could def, you should definitely read the book. It's not a terribly long read. You know, I, I read it in an afternoon. Uh, she goes into obviously a lot more detail. And then the women that I mentioned, those stories, those are fleshed out a lot more in her book. So if you're curious, yeah. I highly recommend it. What an, an incredible, brave act. And I was going to try to compare it to be like, you know, high school can be <laughs> terrifying like an insane asylum but it's not it's not the same it's not the no. same that's not that's not the lesson i'm trying to tell but uh i just thought that was so cool that i was like that's my story yeah. i'm gonna do i'm gonna tell the rom criminals and vanya about nelly well and i think you could and i also just love her start like how she was pissed off about yes. a, a nasty man saying horrible things and she's about like uh-uh. women shouldn't work and she's 18 and she's like i'm gonna write a letter and it was so well written that she got to do. Well, job. I think we could also compare the movie with this wonderful crime or, you know, this wonderful true crime story is that, like, you know, Josie Grossy stuck up for her friend and. Uh, That's right. Nellie Bly stuck up for these women. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. That's amazing. Avern, I love you. A- that story is wild. I want to watch the movie. <laughs> I love you there should too. be a movie about this. Oh, there what? is, but it's a, a lifetime movie. It's on Hulu. Stop I actually started it. it. And it stars Christina Ricci as Nellie Bly. And get this, this is the best. Judith motherfucking what? Light as Nurse Oh, Green. my God. Ah! Okay, so we'll report back. I didn't finish it. Next week. Yeah, I started it. I started it. And then I was like, oh, this is this is not a true. I mean, it's based on it, obviously, but it's not. I could immediately tell based on what was happening. that I was like, this is different than the real story. Oh. I want to watch this, but I don't want to yes. color the real story with the and fictionalized version of it. Oh, it's shite. probably just like um, Nellie Bly or something. I literally just searched. I searched Nellie Bly on my Roku uh-huh. and then this Lifetime movie. But if you just Google Nellie Bly Lifetime, I'm going. it'll pop up. Okay. But I think it might even be called, you know, like 10 Days in the Madhouse. Oh, Mad that's House, probably the true. Nellie Bly yeah. story. But uh, yeah, I definitely am going to watch it. I have it saved in my up next queue and everything. Oh my God, fun. Thank you so much, you rom criminals. We love you. Yes. Have a safe and happy we love you guys. fun Halloween. If you celebrate it, we'll be back. That's right. Next, next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rom Crime with Avrin and Vanya. Episodes arrive every other Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all things Rami and crimey. You can also follow us on Instagram at romcrime or email us movie and true crime suggestions at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>